Hey everyone, this is Mac, and welcome back to Master of a Few, the podcast where a curious mind meets too much time. I'd like to start today's segment with a true story. I mentioned in my intro segment that I grew up in a fundamentalist church. So this story takes place in that church toward the end of a Wednesday night service. Our pastor asked if anyone had anything they needed to say, and an older man in the back stood up to speak. He was already in tears by the time the mic got to him, so we all struggled to understand as he began in a deep, gravelly, and tear-garbled voice. He thanked Pastor for the message, saying it was exactly what he needed. Then he explained that he had almost missed the service because Satan had gotten into his plumbing at his house and caused a leak in order to make him miss church. I'm not sure how long ago this was, but I do remember being very confused about why, with all the mess happening in the world, the devil himself would take the time to crawl through this guy's pipes on a random Wednesday night. Nevertheless, everyone said amen and told him that if Satan was in his pipes, then he must be doing something right for God. This is what I'd like to talk about today. Not specifically the plumbing expertise of Satan, but instead the fact that people believe that Satan would spend his time causing pipes to leak to keep older men from attending church. I want to give Satan a credit check, because I'm pretty sure he gets way more than he deserves. First, I plan to talk about giving Satan too much credit for evil in our world. And then I want to talk about something much worse, when we give Satan credit for things that are not evil and can only be done by God. Evil is something we spend our entire lives trying to figure out. It's one of the hardest objections to answer when it comes to the existence of God. There are entire subsections of philosophy dedicated to understanding the problem of evil, which has led to six major theodicies, or theories for reconciling the presence of evil in the world with the existence of a perfect God. These six are free will, natural law, the plan, soul building, the devil, and balance. The reason why there are six is because none of these fully explain evil in our world. Because some evil could be chalked up to free will, but some seems to happen without human interference, which may imply one of the other five. There is the concept of a super-theodicy, which is when two or more of the six originals are combined in an attempt to explain all the evil in the world. But philosophers have been attempting this for centuries with no success. So why do I bring up all of this philosophy jargon, other than because I miss studying philosophy and I love it, which admittedly is one of my reasons. Don't worry, it's only one of them. The other reason I bring it up is to point out why we, I use this term broadly, if you don't do this, congrats, tend to give Satan way more credit than he deserves, even when the situations really do suck. Speaking from my own church experience, yours may have been quite different. Evil was generally explained using a super-theodicy, which usually only included two of the six, though could be expanded to include a third if absolutely necessary. In general, evil was chalked up to free will, as in people suck, and because people suck, the world sucks. And Satan, because when people don't suck, he makes them suck, or crawls around in pipes to keep people from church. Now, is there any major problem with this? There wouldn't be. Except that in using Satan as a scapegoat for the most evil in the world, Christians have vastly overinflated the power of Satan, and in doing so, have made Satan nearly equal with God. 
I am aware that my statement is quite the accusation, but bear with me, I have some evidence. People often don't hesitate to say that Satan is the cause of major catastrophic events and temptations, and some people, my church quietly raises their hand from the back of the class, which is a joke, you should have laughed, because my church can't do anything quietly. Anyway, some people will also say that Satan causes the mishaps that make you miss church services. Forget to read your Bible, lose your temper, or zone out during a sermon. Now, do I know which of these can actually be attributed to Satan? No, but I do know he can't do all of it. Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. He's not omnipotent. He has limits, though his power does presumably pass our own. And he's not omniscient. He doesn't know all things and can't see into the hearts and minds of humanity. Those are attributes of God, and we tread very dangerous ground when we begin giving these characteristics to anyone else, but especially a figure known for trying to usurp an all-powerful God, and has since been attempting to destroy the plan of God by building his own kingdom on earth. You see how this might be a problem. I do believe in the existence of demons. However, I don't believe that those are unlimited. I don't think we're dealing with a King Dedede from Kirby's Dreamland or Captain Olimar from Pikmin. Don't be too impressed with me. I totally only know those guys from Super Smash Bros. and I looked up their original games. Also, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, both of these characters have these little minion dudes that they're able to pull out of thin air and chuck at people with seeming un seemingly unlimited supplies. It's quite useful in battle situations to be able to throw small creatures at your opponent. Anyway, Satan can't just pull an endless spring of demons out of his pocket like monkeys in a barrel to hurl at Christians. Like I said, he has limits, and so do his minions. I should really use a different word than minions because now I'm imagining these little yellow guys who are frankly adorable crawling through old Baptists plumbing and breaking stuff. And that's not menacing, that's cute. Try to get that image out of your head now when something goes wrong. You're welcome. Anyway, I do have a point, promise. The bottom line is when Christians give Satan credit for all of the random unfortunate events in our world, we make Satan out to be equal with God. Because if Satan knows all, is everywhere, and is all powerful, then our God must not be sovereign. And that, my friends, is dangerous territory. Now, if that was dangerous territory, then now I'd like to take us into the landmine-ridden no-man's land by comparison. I'm going to talk about one of the most dangerous things a Christian can do, which is blame or give credit, as the case may be, to Satan for things that are at the very least not evil and at the most things that only God himself can do. So, in general, we don't say that Satan makes us sin, though some people do and I find that funny say that Satan tempts people to sin, which is why we have original sin and such, so ultimately instead of blaming free will, we tend to blame Satan for our sinful nature. We see this all through the Bible, which is I think where Christians get in the habit, because throughout the Gospels people have demons cast out of them, which seems to solve all kinds of issues, from conditions that now seem to have similarities to seizures, physical impairments, or mental illnesses. And while our understanding of what these conditions are has changed from a medical standpoint, I worry that our spiritual understanding has stayed the same, even though Jesus himself pointed to another cause other than sin and Satan. In John 9, 
Jesus and his disciples encounter a man who is born blind. This is what they said. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. This statement from Jesus threw a major wrench in the doctrines of the Jewish leaders at the time. It was long understood that if something isn't typical with your child, then it's the result of a demon or of Satan or of sin, which is also caused by Satan. Jesus throws it out the window and says that this man was born in a non-typical way for the glory of God. This not only challenged the people's beliefs about the work of Satan in the world, but also challenged their definition of evil and wrong. So one would think that Christians would look at this passage and say, okay, just because something isn't typical doesn't mean it's wrong or caused by Satan. Cool, this will help me love my neighbor better. Alas, that is not what is happening. There are still people in this world, my church again raises their hand from the back of the room, who believe that disabilities and differences are not evidence of diversity and creativity in, in creation, but instead are the result of Satan and sin in the world. The major problem with this is, once again, a limiting of God. This is something I've struggled with as a transgender person of faith. The common explanation of born in the wrong body does not work for me, because I don't believe that God makes mistakes. This means that disabilities and differences in general must serve a purpose and exist to bring glory to God. Is this an easy answer? Heck no. Because we don't always get to understand the reason or the purpose behind the differences. Which means we have to operate on faith that says, just because I don't understand the reason doesn't mean there isn't one. My gender identity isn't a result of sin by either my parents or myself. And it isn't a mistake because God doesn't make those. That means that for some reason, God created me to be trans. Do I understand that reason? Not even a little. But I know there must be one, so it's my responsibility to use my gifts and unique perspective as a trans person of faith to love God and love others to the best of my ability. Speaking of love, that is the last thing I want to touch on in this segment. Again. This isn't political, so I'm speaking purely from a spiritual and religious and personal standpoint, politics aside. Love seems to be under fire right now. As love between some people is deemed the completion of God's image in humanity, and love between others is deemed the work of Satan. I have many issues with this. First of which being, a person is no more and no less made in the image of God because they are or are not married to a member of the opposite sex. You are made in the image of God, period, end of sentence. My other issue comes from saying that love between two people of the same sex or love involving a transgender person is the work of Satan. I have news. Satan, by definition, can't do love. God is love. He created it. He embodies it. He gives it as a gift for humanity to share with himself and with others. Satan can only do cheap imitations like lust or emotional manipulation or temporary fascination. Some relationships, straight or otherwise, are entirely based on one or more of the aforementioned imitations of love, and I do believe that those would be wrong. However, real love, love that is unconditional in all the ways that I talked about last week, 
check that out if you haven't yet, cannot be the work of Satan, because that kind of love can only come from God. Some will counter this by saying that loving a member of the same sex or loving a transgender person is a temptation. But if Satan can't do love, then that temptation would have to come from God. And for that, I take us to James chapter 1. Now, I'm not trying to take this verse out of context, so I encourage you to read the whole chapter. But for the sake of time, I'll summarize for you. This chapter is about temptation and trials of faith. It talks about how temptations and trials can refine our faith and strengthen it. It also says that temptations come from our own lusts, which lead to sin, which, cut, which leads to death. And it gives a warning to not be deceived, because every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. The verse I do want to read verbatim is verse 13, which says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he tempts no one. This means that God is never tempting you with love. You can be tempted by Satan with lust, but love is a good and perfect gift, which we were told must come from God. I'm not saying that all relationships are God-sanctioned, because there are some relationships that are not built on the foundation of love for Christ and for one another. However, if a relationship between two people is built on the goal of loving and serving Christ together, and the fruit their relationship produces is honoring to God, then that kind of love can't come from anywhere but God, regardless of the biological sex or gender of the two people in love. Because we, as we see throughout the Bible, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Thanks for taking time to listen to me talk slash rant slash whatever else this was. I challenge you this week to look carefully at things in your life you think Satan is doing, and make sure you aren't lifting him up to God-like status. Our God is a big God, and Satan by comparison is nothing. Keep that in mind, and instead of blaming Satan for things that don't go your way or that you don't understand, look at the situation again, and maybe you'll see that it's actually God working out some purpose. Or maybe it is just a sucky thing that happened, but take heart in knowing that God is very good at redeeming the sucky things. If you have topics or questions or comments, please head over to Twitter and let me know at, at MacOfAfew. That's at MacOfAfew. Check out my past segments if you missed them, and stop by next Friday for a new one, which will hopefully be something a little more lighthearted and fun. Maybe. That's my current goal. We'll see what happens. Thanks again for listening. My name is Mac, and this has been Master with You. No, the catchy ending is not yet developed, so have a brilliant day. Bye.